0: Good morning. The scripture this morning is Acts eleven nineteen 19 to 30. The church in Antioch of Syria. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution of, after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to the Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Syria... Uh, Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas Barnabas, (laughs) went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. During this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was to come upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. The word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, welcome this morning to TCC again on a beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning. Thank you, Michelle. And uh, thank you, Cheryl, for raising the awareness of uh, Uh, autism in our congregation today and just uh, the joy that we have to be part of encouraging one another. The best fresh air anywhere and as Cheryl has indicated in the mountains, of course, in the mountains. Uh, Some of you have been camping in the mountains uh, in uh, recent days I know and that air is fresh. Do you ever sleep well at night when you've been out exercising in the mountains? Uh, We had a few days as a family in Fairmont about a week ago, and the grandkids loved it. Uh, They played so hard. They got up on the diving board, and they jumped again and again and again, and by the end of the day, they were ready for bed. We hiked among the hoodoos. All that activity and all that fresh air, so refreshing. We all need fresh air in our lives. Fresh air makes us breathe deeply. It allows us to sleep well at night. Life is difficult, and most of us know this only too well. There are few who skate by with only good looks and a large trust fund. Um, It's not quite that way in life. It is given that broken people, uh, which we are, Uh, are living in an imperfect world, which we live in. Uh, We face headaches, and we face heartaches, and we face hassles all through the course of this life. And often we just kind of feel like, give me some fresh air. Let me breathe deeply again. Let me experience life and freedom and joy. This morning, we come to a word that is probably more critical than we can possibly imagine for the life and health of our families, for our teams, uh, for our church, for the people around us. And it's that fresh mountain air word called encouragement. It's, it's the best fresh air anywhere in life when somebody gives to you a word of encouragement. For so many years, uh, we always filled the tank with propane. And, uh, you know, uh, we've uh, had this happen before, and now we've got really sophisticated because we can hook up directly to the gas line. We don't need that anymore. But uh, how many years did we have that propane tank? And when we just needed another five minutes to finish the burgers, the crazy thing went out and we'd have to stop everything, run out, get another bottle of propane and, and, and finish the barbecuing. We've all discovered though in life that it's not just the propane tanks that run out of fuel. We've come to understand that we've all got fuel tanks and it's here inside somewhere. It's in our hearts, it's in our spirits and actually before long you begin to be able to read the gauge on other people's tanks. And you can tell they're pretty low and you can read the gauge in your own tank and you can say, ah, nearly out of fuel. I'm nearly out of fuel. So you have a fuel tank and there are some people who fill your tank and there are some people who breathe life into you and they are the best fresh air in your life. They remind you of how good God is because sometimes you lose that perspective. And when you're around them, you just feel like lifted again and like, I can do this and you feel encouraged And then you have other people in life who when you're not looking stick a hose in your tank and they take a deep breath but they're just sucking it in and they're just sucking the fuel out of you and they drain you of life and these are the people who take your joy and they take your dreams and they find fault and they they poke holes in your balloon and, and before long your tank is empty and you're registering empty. So we all deeply appreciate encouragement in our lives. Every one of us, we soak it up like a sponge. Ever been overwhelmed by a situation and somebody came along and just prayed with you? It was just such a beautiful, right time for somebody to come and be with you. Ever be just uh, been a little discouraged and you got a, an email, you got a note in the mail, you got a text, And it just revived you. It just just took that to revive you. It refreshed you, gave you new hope. You got a God perspective on it suddenly. If I were to ask you to, to name the most prominent individual in the New Testament who epitomizes the word encouragement, you would probably say Barnabas. And you'd be right, Barnabas. And I want you to see this morning why Barnabas is such a model of encouragement. Check him out and learn from him. His name was actually Joe or Joseph. He was a Levite from Cyprus whom the apostles called Barnabas. The word Barnabas means son of encouragement. Listen to these words from Acts 4.36. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. So his real name is Joseph. His nickname is Barnabas, son of encouragement. Did you know that was his nickname? Whenever they saw Joe coming, the apostles would say, here comes Barney. Here comes Barnabas. Here comes that son of encouragement. And that's a huge compliment. I, I think it's cool as well to know that the apostles were so down to earth that they would give somebody a nickname. So they just nicknamed him Barnabas. Now, you're, you're going to meet Barnabas on various pages of the book of Acts. And whenever you rub shoulders with Barnabas, uh, you see a guy who's hitting the, the ball out of the park all the time by the way he affirms by the way he encourages, by the way he claims the best for people, by the way he lifts, by the way he has an ability to to inspire and to bless. And it's just a joy to read about. He's one of the guys in the the New Testament that it's just a joy to read about who he is and how, how God used him. So let's start with, first of all, Barnabas encouraged by giving generously. Have you ever been the recipient of a gift of some type that just overwhelmed you. It's just kind of like, oh, really? It's it's so overwhelming that it may be even a little awkward. It's like, oh, really? Really? And it kind of blows you away. But isn't it an amazing feeling? Barnabas was the first recorded donor in the new community of faith. When the early church was birthed at Pentecost, it says in verse 32 of Acts chapter 4, that all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. There was no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need." And then Luke records the story of Barnabas in verse 37, that he sold a field that he owned and he brought the money to the apostles. So when the text says he brought the money to the apostles, he was in fact saying, hey guys, I sold some property. Here are the proceeds. I want to give this to you. I want this to be used to resource people who need some help. There are no strings attached to the gift. Don't need a plaque for doing this. Just just use it to bless people. Now, uh, if you want to encourage people, sometimes just do something very tangible for them. I mean, it can be words, but sometimes just do something very tangible for them. You've heard the saying, people really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. This church building that, that we're seated in today wouldn't exist today, honestly, without the generosity of the people of TCC. It's a fact. This ministry would be struggling today, wouldn't be existing today as it is, without the generous support of the people of God in this church. It's just a fact. It's just the generosity of this people of God who have been faithful and committed. So we encourage the church when we give generously. And our actions always speak louder than our words. As one gentleman said, if you want to know what's really important to a person, look at their checkbook or look at their visa statements. And you can tell a lot by just flipping through the financial transactions. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So when you start giving, you never know really what's going to happen on the other end. You're putting yourself out there in the flow of a current that will sweep you along to usually something that is much bigger than you are. It's interesting to me that this is the place where we have our first picture of Barnabas. He's giving. He's he's resourcing this young fledgling church. And and that is there at the beginning of an amazing ministry for Barnabas. He caught the importance of giving right away. You know, and God raises up the Barnabases of life so he can resource what he wants to do in his world. I see so often that churches want to move ahead and they have a heart to move ahead, but they're restricted from doing so because they don't have the resources. God's going to do great things among us in the days ahead uh, as he resources this congregation in order to accomplish the vision that he's calling us to. God has us here for a reason. I know we understand that. His work is just getting started. His heart is for the people of this community and the heart, heart for a community is adjacent to us. And that he, he has entrusted these people for us to minister to. And can you imagine a church full of Barnabas, Barnabases? Uh, we have no idea of what God will do in the future as his church is resourced for the vision to which he's called us. Corey Ten Boom put it well. She said, I've learned not to hold anything too lightly or too tightly because it hurts too much to have God pry my fingers back to get, it, get to it. So I've learned to live my life with an open hand so that God can put in and he can take out whatever he wants. And that way, I never miss the blessing. It's all yours, God. Corey Ten Boom. I love that. And that's an example of Barnabas. Uh, you bless other people when you live your life with an open hand. When you you come to an understanding that it's all yours, Lord, uh, why would I hoard it to myself? It all belongs to you. Secondly, Barnabas encouraged by being a good friend. We're in Acts chapter 9 now, and the story of this chapter is the incredible way in which Saul, later to be called Paul, came to faith in Christ after the Damascus Road experience. Saul, strange as it sounds, had to get out of Damascus because he started to preach in the synagogues. This immediately after his conversion. He didn't waste any time at all getting to his mission. And there was a Jewish element in Damascus that rose up against him. So as you know the story, Saul escaped by being lowered over the city wall in a basket. Well, Saul thought that he would return to Jerusalem and start to connect with the believers in Jerusalem. But when you've been killing believers, and that's been the history of your life, it's no wonder no one trusted him. They were all afraid of him. They thought, this is another one of Saul's tricks to say you're a Christian, get on the inside track, and then he'd line them all up and kill them. Now here's where we meet Barnabas again. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told him how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Now friends, I hope I didn't read that too quickly. It says that Barnabas brought him, Saul, to the apostles. The words here actually imply that that he took Saul by the hand and he led him in before the apostles to affirm his belief in his conversion and his new life in Christ. Now just a minute, let's just think about that for a second. How did Barnabas really get that information? I don't think Barnabas saw this firsthand in Damascus that Saul had come to know Christ and uh, that this was all very legit. Uh, I hadn't actually really thought about this too much before. That Barnabas must have ventured out and met Saul when nobody else would have anything to do with Saul. Uh, Barnabas must have gone and found him and introduced himself and taken the time to get to know him. And when he discovered how authentic he was, Barnabas went to the apostles and he said, it's okay. I checked him out, he's one of us, he's a follower and you don't have to worry. Barnabas was willing to take a risk on Paul. He became his friend and he got to know him. He went to his fellow believers and he said, this man's changed. Oh yeah. He, he's not the same soul anymore. God's got a hold of his life now. He's a different man. He's real. This is, this is authentic. And upon the recommendation of Barnabas, the apostles jumped on board and said, okay, let's bring him in. Verse 28, Saul loses no time. He's moving through the city of Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And now it's Saul that's fearing for his life because he's leaving it all out there on the streets of Jerusalem. And very soon the opposition mounts and they have to get Saul out of town and they get him to back to his hometown, which is Tarsus. But yea, for Barnabas. He played a critical role in introducing Saul and vouching for him. He established a relationship. He established a friendship with Saul. And that encouraged the whole church. In fact, verse 31 says, The church now had peace through the region, and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. Listen to that. With the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, And the Holy Spirit used Barnabas to encourage the young church. Perfect place for me to say to you this morning. Perhaps you will see how God can use you to vouch for someone else in your life. Perhaps someone needs your name. Perhaps someone needs your credibility. Someone needs your signature in order to move ahead. They don't have anybody to stand up for them. They may need your phone call. They may be hesitant to ask you because they don't wanna be awkward about this thing, but if you can read it, they need your encouragement to bring them into the flow of real community. There are people sitting on the sidelines of life, perhaps literally sitting on the couch, waiting hour after hour and watching TV and doing little else because they're beat up and they can't take any real steps forward. They really do not believe that they have anything to offer anymore. They have no encouragement that God has given them unique gifts and that they have opportunity to use those gifts to serve Him and to serve others. They need someone who's gonna just come alongside of them and offer them lots of affirmation and patience and love and encouragement. And it may be delivered in a number of simple ways, sometimes perhaps with no words at all. For the person who has just suffered a great setback or loss, it probably is best not to say, I know how you feel but to say I can't imagine how you feel I'm so sorry Or and just sit with them or take a walk with them you know God has given us this, uh, this amazing thing to us called the brunch it's highly unusual in most churches it's highly unusual for it to happen most Sundays of the year the food is great we're grateful for, for all of it but I, I hope you see this as an opportunity to care for people around you. saw a couple of men praying last Sunday. Well, that just blessed my heart. That's awesome. That's what it's about. Perhaps as we talk and mingle and have brunch together, you'll see that somebody's been marginalized by the pain of life, and they just need somebody to stand with them. Somebody needs you to say, here, I'm, I'm with you. I get it. I get it. You don't have to do that alone. I'm gonna lend my support. I'm gonna lend my name to you. I'm gonna lend my credibility to you. What an encouragement that is. And friends, may the Lord help you see how you can be Barnabas, where God has placed you. What a huge blessing when you come to the rescue of someone who's feeling overwhelmed, discouraged, and you're suddenly in their world. And may I add to that, there are people around us who need a Barnabas to encourage the work that God is doing in their lives. God is calling them. God is calling people in this congregation even now. God is calling people to a mission. And God is laying His hand upon them. And it becomes even more real to them when you can lay your hand on their shoulder and encourage them to move in the direction that God is leading them. And if you can affirm them in their journey, if you can can do that, please do it. I remember that blessing in my life as a young man. I was feeling the call of God in my life for pastoral ministry. And, and, and asking, was this God, is this really God, is this you God? Saying, and am I going in the right direction? And then to have somebody come along and lay a hand upon you and affirm you and not encouraging you. It means the world. I think about David Livingston when he climbed into the pulpit of a little church in Scotland. Uh, he'd, uh, he'd honed his sermon. He had prepared it so very well. He wanted to be a great preacher. He wanted to go and give his life on the mission field. And when he got up to preach that night, he flapped his wings, but he didn't get off the runway. He tried, but finally he just kind of like, ah. Oh. He forgot his sermon altogether. He went and sat down. He apologized to the people, and he left in shame for himself, that he felt. But Robert Moffat, the famous missionary, was there, And Moffat came up to him after the service and said, you can be a great and wonderful servant of God. Why don't you go to medical school? Well, today, you can't think of Africa without thinking about David Livingston. And what would have happened to David Livingston without Robert Moffat? And what would have happened to Paul without Barnabas? Thirdly, Barnabas encouraged others by becoming a cheerleader for those who were new in their faith journey. We're in Acts chapter 11 now, which the passage that Michelle read, which says that some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. And the power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. And when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened in Antioch, they sent Barnabas. And when he arrived, Barnabas, and he saw the evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, he was full of the Holy Spirit, he was strong in faith, and through his ministry and his encouragement. Many were brought to the Lord. Friends, who do you send to help people follow up on, a new, on new children in Christ? People new in their faith, just getting started. The nursery is full of new believers. What do you do with a thousand new believers? They're just all starting off in the journey of life. What do you do? Who's going to help them? How do you take care of them? You send to Barnabas, for starters. What does a new believer need more than anything else in their, their new start with the Lord than, than some encouragement? And Barnabas got so excited about these new believers, I mean, his heart just went out to them all. And he challenged them to stay true to Christ. He cheered them on, he encouraged them, and he delighted in their progress. Friends, perfect place for me to say this morning every believer, younger or older, that you encourage brings joy to their hearts and to their own your own heart and to God's heart. Could we get that right into the DNA of TCC? That wherever we're at that we'll be an encouraging church. Could we become very intentional about this? Forget about the fact that you came to church to get something. Just try not to get on that train. But always get on the train of going down the tracks of what what could I give? How could the Lord use me? How could I bless somebody else? Could we come with the idea of what we can bring? Here's another neat thing that happened. Barnabas needed help. He didn't pretend that he could do it alone. And he sees the perfect opportunity to draw in Saul. So he goes to Tarsus, verses 25 and 26, to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And both of them stayed there with the church for a full year. He got a partner in ministry. He got a partner in ministry. And Saul did his internship in Antioch because Barnabas invited him to partner with him. I think that's awesome. Encouragers survey their surroundings and say, what do I need And what could be a blessing to the ministry? Let's just pull them in. Let's just pull them in. Finally, fourthly, Barnabas uh, was willing to give a second chance. And now we're in Acts chapter 15, verse 36 and following. It's a great section of verses that launches the second missionary journey of Paul. And Paul says to Barnabas, let's do the circuit again. Let's visit all those churches and see how everybody's doing." And Barnabas says, great, let's do it. And let's take John Mark with us. Remember John Mark was on the first missionary journey, but he went AWOL before the end of the missions trip. And Paul was not happy with that. So Paul didn't want to take John Mark along. He was kind of done with him. And Barnabas continues to be a guy that offers a second chance. He said, yeah, we need to take John Mark. Paul says, no. Barnabas went to the mat on this one, and they had a very sharp disagreement. It's interesting uh, that you see this in the scriptures. They had a very the, the, there was there was conflict. Now it's interesting that the Bible doesn't say that one was right and one was wrong. Sometimes it's up for us to de- up to us to decide. Well, Paul chose Silas, and they went on the on the journey. And Barnabas chose John Mark, and they left on a separate journey. It's one of those interesting glimpses into how conflict arose and how it got dealt with. But it's fascinating to look back after many years and hear the Apostle Paul say as he writes to Timothy, only Luke is with me, get Mark and bring him with you for he is helpful in my ministry. Hey Paul, hey Paul, nice to hear you say that. Maybe Barnabas was right after all. He certainly gave a second chance to John Mark. Anyone in your life need a second chance? Have you given up on that person? Do they know that you're really with them and cheering for them? Just like Paul needed a second chance, so do all of us. If Paul could have spoken at Barnabas' funeral, he might have said this, I persecuted the church. Nobody trusted me. No one would touch me. But then Barnabas came along, put his arm around me, and he said, I'll vouch for him. I stand before you today because of Barnabas and maybe when you review your life you can think of a few people who gave you a second chance why don't you bring that name or those names to the Lord just say Lord thank you for that awesome guy in my life thank you for that awesome gal in my life thank you for that wonderful student that young person in my life that child in my life oh how they've blessed me Maybe even bless them with a word of encouragement. A little thank you. Maybe reflect. Maybe it's been years ago, but you, you just look back and you say, you know, I've never really said it. But they've been a blessing. Barnabas helps us to build a DNA of encouragement in our body of believers and our family. He, he offers us help in generously giving to, uh, to others. He is outstanding in coming alongside of those who need someone to vouch for them. He's, he is excellent in encouraging something new and helping it get launched he's awesome in giving people a second chance how do we encourage people there's no formula (laughs) there's no formula one thing that's obvious is this don't discourage people don't tear them down lift them up it always takes about seven affirmations to make up for one word of discouragement don't you find that it just takes one little word of discouragement and like, that, that's what goes to the heart. And it just takes a lot of affirmation just to kind of get rid of that one and to begin to build again. We will gravitate to the criticism and take that into our hearts. So just be an encourager. Gordon McDonald tells a story about a husband and wife team who are uh, three-day-a-week volunteers at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston and the wife works at the information desk at the main entrance and her mission is to welcome and provide information for people entering the hospital for the first time And that's always scary when you're entering the hospital for the first time and to know the ins and outs and where should I be and where do I go her husband as a volunteer oversees a reception area for family and friends of cancer patients who are in surgery at the moment. And his mission is to ensure that they are comfortable, the family is, they're cared for until the surgeon comes to tell them what happened in the OR. And when Gordon McDonald asked them, why do you do this three days a week? You could be snorkeling in Florida, they said, because we are aggressively appreciated. This hospital practices a culture of appreciation. You can hardly go 15 minutes during the day without one of the staff stopping you from the hospital president to the cleaning staff and saying, thanks. And something like, we couldn't do what we do without you. He said, we've been made to feel like an important part of a world-class medical team. We've never felt so valued by any other organization and that's why we do it. And That's why we do it. That's our heartbeat. That's our heartbeat. We pray it will continue to be so. How could you translate all of this this morning into action? This week? The coming months? We could brainstorm a bunch of ideas But I think you know who needs you. I think you know who needs you. And what do they need? They need a text. They need an email. They need a hug. They need a word of affirmation. They need to know you believe in them. They need to know that you have a ministry of presence with them. They need to know. I think you will probably know who needs you. So let's stand together as we pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you encourage us every day. Every day we only just need to stop and listen and we hear your continued words to us. We hear them as we write, we hear them as we listen, we hear them as we read your word that I am with you do not be anxious, I will help you, I love you, I am right there with you, uh, and so we thank you, Lord, for the ministry of presence that you have in our lives. And Lord, thank you for the model of Barnabas, and as we grow and mature in in, uh, in our walk with you, you give us all the same ministry, you give us a ministry of encouragement. May this, uh, may this church be your refreshing air to the community. Lord, may all of us uh, here as we're on our journey, may we walk through the hills and valleys of life, but see you with us on this journey. And Lord, uh, just knowing that every day, some need some, the fresh air of your presence, of your love and your, of your care, and, and some are hurting so deeply. Some are mourning today. Some are experiencing loss today. Some are wondering, where do I fit? Lord, I pray your healing, your encouragement, your perspective, and the people around that you want to send to be the blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.